I love Christmas. But one of the most great things for me is the light. Because light pushes back darkness. Amen. John put up a, a frame up there of a woman worshiping and light coming out of her hand. I had a friend this week who is an intercessor and a worshiper. She was showing me Mike and I pictures and she was interceding and when she was worshiping how light, they were like rainbows would just show up all in her living room. No, I said, you know, you don't have any of those crystals around, nothing nothing and all these lights as she was worshiping would just show up and it was a reminder that we are the light of the world and you know it may look dark but I'm telling you Jesus is shining shine Jesus shine He is the one through us who pushes back the darkness. We have nothing to fear. Why? Because we trust Him. He is Lord of the nation. He is Lord of all. In fact, sometimes I love when God gives us surprises. Yesterday we had a surprise from God. You know, because I love light, almost every day I go, Honey, I, I think I want I think I want another strand here. <laughs> but yesterday, a precious little family didn't even ask and we certainly didn't care, came up to our house, sat on the porch, started taking family pictures. Then they stood in front of our manger. The little one sat down, they took a picture. And then we have a sleigh. They had the kids sit, stand by the sleigh, and they were just taking family pictures. Why? Because the light drew them. Light draws. I'm telling you, I love, I love light because it pushes back the darkness. Shine your light, beloved. I know I love when those little kids in, in our in our um, child care center sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And I just pray, Lord, reveal that to them. Lord, reveal that to them. Let them understand it. That they are the light. Amen. Yeah, they did. The family was kind of surprising because I was upstairs studying in my office upstairs and I heard all these kids. I said, where are these kids? Where are they at? Because my neighbor has no kids and the other guy has no kids. So I did. And they were just like giggling and laughing. And, and they, I mean, the family stopped in front of our house and did a complete photo op. I mean, for, for, and I, it sounded like they were in the back of the house because we have lights in the back of the house too. So it sounded like they were back there. 
because I could hear him in the driveway, right? Because I was, you know, my window's right in the driveway of the back of the house. And it was incredible. I mean, I was, you know, now to say that there's, to say there's um, no other houses on the street with lights would be an understatement. My neighbors across the street probably have 50,000 lights on their house. 50,000. I said, why don't you, <laughs> you think they would go there, but no. They came to our house. And, uh, they were attracted to it. It was interesting. I, I finally went downstairs and looked out the window and they were just scampering away as, as I looked out the window and got into their car that they had decorated. Their car was decorated with lights. I just said, okay. Let's turn to John chapter 1. We're in a series called Making Jesus Famous. Uh, last Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being Lord. Last week, we talked about Him being the Gospel. And today, I want, him to, I want to talk to you about Him being the Word. Life is in the Word. The Word of God. Amen? In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18... The title in my Bible here is The Eternal Word. It says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, there are translations that are not good. There's a translation out there that says, And the Word was a God, which is a bad translation. But it says, the next verse, real small little verse with just a few words in this one verse, and it says, He... So after the Word, after it explains in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the next verse says, He, He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. Life is in His Word. Life. And the life was the light of men, and the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, and that, and that all through him might believe. Verse 8, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. A powerful statement there, church. That was the true light which gives light to every man. So every person who's ever born on this planet has the light of Jesus in them. They don't just don't know it. They don't even know who they are. They don't even know that, that Christ is in them already. The light's already there. They just don't know. <laughs> he was in the world and the world was made through Him. And the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. You know, Acts 4.12 says, There is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. Just in the name of Jesus. Verse 13, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh. Verse 14, like one translation says, and the Lord pitched His tent in your backyard. The Lord pitched His tent in your backyard and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
And John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we all have received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. And so we have this word. We're going to talk, I want to talk just a little bit in my own words about in the word. Verse 1, in the word, the word is I am. God's eloquence echoes and everything in life concludes in Him. The Word equals God. Three times in this one sentence, John uses the active, indicative, imperfect for of the verb to be, which conveys that God has no origin, nor does the Logos, nor the Word, but simply a continued existence of I am. So if you were to do, you know, parsing guy kind of studies and word studies, and, and you would buy 5,000 books like I have on word studies, you would find out that God always and the Word always existed. They have no beginning and they have no end. You know, a lot of people want to prove that God had a beginning, that somebody created Him. He was always in existence. And verse 3, then in verse 3, it's declaring to us that the Logos Word is the source of everything that commences in Him, and in Him all things consist. The Logos of God defines the only possible place where mankind can find their origin. Colossians 1.16 states, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. That's the King James. Verse 4, His life, Verse 4, His life is the light that defines our lives. His light is the light that defines our lives. So in His life, we discover our light for life. That's why when you saw that picture of that lady with her hand up and that light and that fire coming out, that's when you raise your hands to the Lord and you worship Him, fire and light is coming out of your hands. You can't see it in this realm, but in the spirit realm, that's what's happening. You're going to be really surprised when you get on the other side, when you hit the other dimension and you start seeing yourself in the Spirit. You're going to be really surprised. Verse 5, the darkness was pierced and could not comprehend or diminish this light. This darkness represents mankind's ignorance of their redeemed identity and innocence because they don't know it. That's why we're here on the earth, to tell them about their redeemed identity and their innocence in Christ. They don't know who they are. But that's why we're ambassadors for Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors to tell them about who Jesus is and who He is in them. Verse 7, Jesus' mission was to draw attention to the light of their lives so that they, what they witnessed in Him would cause them to believe in their original life redeemed again as they were born from above. Verse 9 in this chapter, Verse 1, that was the true light. A day, a new day for mankind has come in Christ. The authentic light of life that illuminates everyone was dawning in the world through the Logos Word Jesus. In other words, 
all of human history would be defined before and after in Christ. The incarnation, that's what I'm going to talk about next week. Jesus is the incarnation. He became flesh. The incarnation would make the image of God visible. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it made the image of God visible in human form in Christ. In the human blueprint of our lives, there is more than enough light to dispel the darkness in every human life. Jesus is the true light that enlightens everyone. And then in verse 10, if you go down and see verse 10 there, although no one took any notice of Jesus, they, they just didn't get it. They had so much flesh and so much of their light was so veiled, they couldn't even see the one who created them. The one who brought them here on this earth. The one who's their life and their light. He was no stranger to the world. He always was there and is Himself the author and the finisher of all things. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And verse 12 it says, Everyone who realizes their association in Him, convinced that He is their original life, that His name defines them, God gives the assurance that they are indeed His offspring. We are His offspring. We are His sons and daughters. Amen? How many sons and daughters we got here? You know? Sons and daughters of God, a family forever and ever, begotten of Him. He sanctions the legitimacy of our sonship. And amen is appropriate here. Amen? Amen. So be it. We echo every time we say amen, we are saluting our Savior. We are magnifying His name. Every time you say amen, it echoes who He is in you. And I believe that all of us here today have owned a King James Bible. How many have still have a King James Bible sitting around? Amen? Amen? 1611 edition at some time in our walk with Jesus. If you have, you may not know this trivia, but in that, in your Bible, in the King James Bible, it contains 783, 137 words. So if you think you can get bored with the Bible, think again. Let's just go with a rounded number. 783,000 words in the King James. Then if you ask how many words were spoken by Jesus, 31,420 words were spoken by Jesus. The first word you see in your Bible is, in Genesis, is the word in. In the beginning. And the last word you see in your Bible is in Revelation. It's found in Revelation. The last word that you see in the book of Revelation is Amen. Amen. And if these kinds of things interest you, go home today, get your journal out, and begin to research such things because then you can ask someplace. I'm, I'm sure you can even ask Google how many verses are in the Bible, how many commas are in the Bible. You know, but if you are like me, these things in time will perk your interest based on some strong biblical truths. What is the source and foundation we should be building our lives upon? First and foremost, we should build our lives on the Word of God. 
Amen? Life is in His Word. We must learn to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Luke chapter 4, verse 4, New King James says, But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So it's not enough just to eat food. It's We have to eat the food of the Word of God. And there is a verse in the Bible in Matthew's Gospel, and it's Matthew 4.4, 4, that says the exact same thing. So not only did Matthew get it right, but Luke got it right. Right, Luke? Thank you. But he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And according to these Scriptures, every word that comes out of the Word of God is a pattern for life. We truly need to understand that Jesus is the Word. Understanding the Bible can be for a lot of people. You know, some people look at the Bible as a arduous task. It's like, wow. There's, you know, they just look at it because all they see is the letter. They don't understand that the Spirit of God is involved. And that when you read it, the Spirit of God comes alive in you and comes alive in the Word. And that your spirit and that spirit bear witness to what God is saying. And then everything changes. But we truly need to understand that Jesus is the Word. And understanding the Bible can, can bring us to this knowledge. In fact, one author in describing the Bible says it also can be a dangerous book. And that it, it has been confused and divided more people than any other doctrine. You know, there's like, in America, I don't know, there's like, last time I heard, there's like 40,000 different denominations. Groups of people. So, yet, yet, yet it is profound and simple message continues to appeal, overwhelm, and transform the lives of multitudes of men and women of any age or culture. The Bible is still the best seller on the planet. The best seller on the planet. And not sure you know this or not, but scriptures have been used to justify some of the greatest atrocities in human history. I've got a book in my office. You ever want to read it? It's called Disarming Scriptures. It's all about the craziness of people, what they've done by reading the Bible. Now, if you want to know some of the greatest atrocities in our world, you know, since history began, have been used, they have used those scriptures as their base. Yet there is a key that unlocks its mystery message. It is called the romance of the ages. The heart of the lover, our maker, who was hidden in Scripture and uncovered in Jesus, the Word, in the pages of this book. I had somebody, I had put something, a, a picture last a couple of weeks ago of a bookshelf of all these books on my Facebook post. And some one of my friends from New York, he said, I'm allergic to books. I said, you are? I said, the Bible too? He goes, oh no, not the Bible, not the Bible. So he said, he says, I retract my statement. But he said, it also says in Isaiah 65, 1 in the RSV, which is the, actually the RSV is the, the translation of the Bible that's used uh, almost exclusively in Europe. It's, it's, the, it's the version they use, RSV, like we use King James or New King James. In Europe, they use the RSV. So I asked John to get it. So I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am. Here I am echoes within us. Here I am, says the Lord Almighty. What is it that attracts us? What is, what is it that attracts God to us? 
God has always known us from the beginning. We are not the invention of our parents. Maybe your arrival was a big surprise to them. <laughs> but according to Jeremiah 1.5, God knew you before He formed you in your mother's womb. And so our Bibles record how the invisible God of the universe found expression of His image to be visible in a person called Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. And no other, no, no one other than John and his witness, witness, I mean, in his writings captured the true mission of Jesus. In John 14, 20, he wrote, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. God truly has found us in Christ before we were ever lost in Adam. Huh? 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 In fact, it says in Ephesians 1.4, it states that we were found in Christ before the foundation of the world. And we have always been known by God because our origin is in Him. I mean, you, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, that when you die... Your spirit and your soul go back to Him who sent you here. How many people don't know that they're sent here by God? We've got to get Christians to know that. Let's convert them first before we go after other people. And now that we are in Christ by virtue of being born from above, we are invited by God to know ourselves even as He, as we have always been known. 1 Corinthians. Is this 1 Corinthians, Jen? 1 Corinthians 13.12b Yeah, there it is. For now in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is the context and meaning of Scripture. His work of redeeming the image and likeness of God in human form is what the Bible is all about. It's where you and I discover God and where we, we, we discover who we are. Our identity is so important. My favorite word in the game Scrabble is identity. And whenever I play the game, I make sure I get my two cents in. The entire of the Bible is about Jesus, and Jesus is all about you. So this makes the Bible the most relevant book in the world today and every day. Jesus is God's mind made up about humanity. Not humanity. I'm spelling it Y-O-U. U-M-A-N-I-T-Y. Humanity. The meaning of Jesus' name declares our salvation in Him. God rescued His image and likeness in us. Jesus is the Messiah, Christ, the incarnate Word. And Jesus represents the entire human race. Listen, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, He's still man. He's the Son of Man. And so are you. Amen? And in the kingdom economy of God, Jesus mirrors mankind. The heart dream of God realized in the redemption of mankind in one man through one act of righteousness and a single sacrifice, He rescued the whole human race. The conclusion is clear in these following scriptures. 
God's destiny of the word logos was not to be caged in a book, a Bible, or a doctrine, but to be documented and unveiled in human form. Human life is the most articulate voice of the Scripture. Amen? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But let's go to, I think, Romans 5. Has he got Romans 5 up there? Nope. Okay, go ahead. let's go to Romans 5. Get some more Scriptures in here. Romans 5, verse 17. It's my favorite chapter, Romans 5. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through, that, through the one, Paul's two favorite words in his epistles, much more, you can put little brackets around much more, and then look it through all the writings of Paul and find how many times he said that. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even through one man's righteousness act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Jesus is God's perfect language. Amen? See, the destiny of the Word, the Logos, was not to be caged in a book, but unveiled in human form. Human life is the most articulate voice of Scripture. Doesn't the Bible say we're living epistles? We're living epistles. People are just waiting to read you. They're just waiting to see Jesus in you. So when you walk around the city or you walk into the grocery store, don't be... Because they can't see Jesus in that. Be happy. Be joyful. Be thankful that you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And you are more than conquered through Christ. You're not the dog. You're not the tail. You're the head. You're the conqueror. More than conquerors in Christ. And Jesus is God's language. Mankind is His audience. The message and the mission of Jesus was not to begin the Christian religion or to win protest votes against Moses or Joshua. Jesus' mandate was twofold. First, to reveal and then to redeem the blueprint image and likeness of the invisible God in human form. So when the, the Bible says, when, when, when people see you, they should be seeing Jesus. You're His image. You're His likeness. And secondly, instead of an instruction manual, even though a lot of people use the Bible as an instruction manual, the Bible is a mirror revealing our redeemed identity, who we are in Christ. We are not window shopping the promise of God, or the promises of God. We look into our Bibles to discover who God is. God is love. Amen. He's faithful. 
And He keeps all of His promises. Over 7,000 promises of God in the Bible. How many do you have memorized? Besides, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am always with you. Amen? Who God is, who we are, our true likeness, and discover we are God's sons and daughters. Any form of striving to become more like Jesus through personal devotion and diligence, no matter how sincere, bears the same fruit all the time. Failure and guilt. See, when you know who you are in Christ, if you know you're a son or daughter of God, it solves all your problems. Because your identity is everything. And one thing the devil doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ. He don't want you to know that. He wants you to think all the time you've still got you know, old, sinful, Adamic nature and you're just a sinner. But if you constantly see yourself as a sinner, guess what you're going to do? Sin. But when you see yourself as a son or daughter of God, guess what you're going to act like? A son. And if you're a son of God, you're not going to act sinful. You're going to act like what the Bible calls you, what Paul calls you, all of his epistles, two-thirds of the New Testament. He says you are God's saints. It's all how you see yourself. If you're struggling with sin, you're not seeing yourself the way Jesus wants you to be seen. You want to preach, honey? Okay. <laughs> She's getting inspired. <laughs> Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to free the world. Religion has majored on guilt and willpower-driven sediments which engage mankind in futile efforts to save or improve themselves. Listen, willpower don't work. Just how many ever made the promise, I'll never do that again to God? And found out not too long or later you were doing the same thing because willpower don't work. It's the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. It's the power of Jesus living in us as sons and daughters of God. The Bible was never meant to be a manual. It's a message. And it's all about Emmanuel. God with us, now living in us. This is the catcher here. I'm not done with this sentence. As us. As us. Every definition of distance is canceled in Christ. Isaiah 40, verses 4 and 5. Every definition of distance. It was funny. I, I wrote this and I was in my sermon and then I was sitting down. I forget. I think it was Friday morning and I turned on the TV and Joseph Prince was on. And he said, every definition of distance is canceled in Jesus. I said, what are you doing? Reading my sermon? You read my sermon, Joseph? And when the Bible is read in merely in, as, an, as merely as an instruction manual for moral behavior, its message is veiled. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to see this in your Bible or if you have your phone or your device. Whatever you got, it'll work. It's all in there. It's prego. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. It says this in the Bible. Whenever... Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. 
John 1.17, we read it in the beginning when I started. Moses represented the law. But Jesus reveals grace and truth. Himself as the visible God because Jesus said, if you've seen Me, you've seen My Father. See, it's only in the mirror where the miracle of transformation takes place and the blueprint image of our Maker is again again realized in us. 2 Corinthians, you're still there. Same chapter. Go to verse 18. It's only a couple of verses away. But it says, but, what, but we all, but we all, see, he's southern boy now, Paul. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, doesn't say the book is a moral behavior kind of, you know, adjustment for our Adamic natures or our old nature, because the old nature is gone. You only have one nature in Christ. It's called divine nature. You can read about that in Peter, Second Peter. But it says, the rest of this verse, the mirror, the glory of the Lord are being, what are, what's happening? The, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know, this is my saying. I've, I've been saying this thing for 35 years since I've been pastoring. So if your eyelids are full of all of the stuff I told you to write on the inside of your eyelids, here's another one. Write this on the inside of your eyelids. And never forget this. Jesus did not come as an example for us, but of us. When you see Jesus, you're looking at you. Because Jesus came to show us not only who God is, but to show us who we are in Christ. So when you're studying in the Word, get in the Word and study, start studying about Jesus, you'll be seeing who you are in Christ. So we know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding to know Him who is true. And this is the understanding that we have that we are in Him who is true. 1 John 5.20 Apostle Paul brands his Gospel. Have you ever read about Paul's epistle? What I find interesting about Paul when he writes the Gospel or he writes the epistles, he always said it is his Gospel. He had no qualms about saying, even though the Gospel was written by Jesus and it was Jesus... He had no qualms in his writings when he wrote to say, this is my gospel. Read it. Read it. You'll find it there. So Apostle Paul brands his gospel with the words grace and peace in order to distinguish the message of the revelation of the finished work of Christ from the law of Moses. It's a matter of grace versus reward and peace rather than striving of guilt and condemnation. Grace and peace express the sum total of every beneficial purpose of God towards us that is realized in Christ. It's a big sentence. I think Jack Hayford wrote that sentence. No, it was me. It was me. But when we discover ourselves in the mirror, what's the mirror? Right here. Oh, when it talks about who Jesus is, it's talking about you. What did Jesus do? The Bible said He came to do good. To bless everybody He was in contact with and to perform miracles. If they were sick, He prayed for them and they were healed. 
That's who we are. We're His sons and daughters. Whatever Jesus was doing, we do. Did He say that in John 14, 12? He says, the works that I do, you shall do. Was that the end of that verse? No. He says, but even you shall do greater works than I have ever done. So if Jesus could walk on water, it must mean you could fly in the Spirit. (laughs) What stops you? Unbelief. The thing between the ear and the ear, right here, this little sphere, stops us from believing. But when we discover ourselves in the mirror, we find the key that unlocks the door to a divine encounter with the Father that you can't compare. And tangible beyond the touch of the genesis of our being is unveiled. Our most intimate and urgent quest is satisfied. Anything you need is satisfied in Christ. I mean, if you're lonely, find Jesus. If you're looking for love, find Jesus. Find God. God is love. I mean, if you're looking for love, don't look for it in a person. Because you'll be disappointed. How many people will disappoint you? Yeah. I'd say something here, but I might get in trouble. But I'm moving on. As much as science depends upon the senses to perceive, as much as science, depends upon the senses to perceive, measure, and calculate the facts to then, to then form reliable conclusions, faith perceives the reality of God and extends the evidence to reason. Read Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says it's impossible to please Him unless you know, and you're, unless you're diligently seeking Him. I mean, there's a faith scripture in Galatians, Galatians 5, 6, that says that faith works by love. Love sets faith in motion. So faith is to the Spirit what our senses are to our bodies. And while the senses engage in the fragile and the fading, faith celebrates perfection. Faith is not wishful thinking. Jesus Christ is the substance of our faith. He is both the author and the finisher and the conclusion of our faith. He is the accurate measure of the blueprint of our original design. So knowing Jesus gives grace an expanded dimension and defines our individual value. In Ephesians 4, 7, it says, Grace was given to each of us according to the measure of the gift of Christ. This is the mystery that was hidden in the history or in generations. It is Christ in you, Colossians 1.27. He's not hiding in history or outer space or in the future. He is the I Am in you. You want to find Jesus, go find a born-again Christian that knows that they're a son or a daughter of God and you will find Jesus. He's not hiding in history. He's not hiding in outer space. He's in you. Anticipate the revelation of Christ within you. There is no greater motivation for studying the Scriptures. Jesus did not point to the sky when He said and gave the address of the kingdom of God. He said in Luke 17.21, the kingdom of God is within you. 
Don't be looking up when you're looking for heaven. Heaven's in you because Christ is in you. Are you with me? Apostle Paul says, we have this treasure. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure. Where is it at? In us. Earthen vessels. <clears throat> Yet our own unbelief veils our minds to keep us from recognizing the image of God revealed in Christ as the authentic reflection of our original identity. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. See, the true destiny of our Bibles was not a book, but a living epistle. Say, I am a living epistle. Human life as revealed and redeemed in Christ is God's voice. Mankind is His audience. You yourself are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ Himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living Spirit, not chiseled in stone, but carved in human lives, and we publish it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Go there with me. I want you to see it. I wrote it out in my thing, but if you don't see it, it's in the mirror. Say, it's in the mirror. Thank you. That's the Bible. The Bible is the mirror. Do we again, 2 Corinthians 3.1, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as someone others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. 2 Corinthians 3.3 3 reads the fact that you are Christ's epistle shines as bright as day. And this is what our ministry is all about. The Spirit of God is living ink. The Spirit of God is living ink. Every trace of the Spirit's influence on the heart. I like what Luke said today. He said, I have to come here every week to get revitalized. I need it too. Every trace of the Spirit's influence on the heart is what gives permanence to this conversation. We're not talking law language here. This is more dynamic and permanent than letters chiseled in stone. This conversation is embroidered in your inner conscience, inside of you. It is the life of your original design that grace echoes within you. If we want to really encounter God's Word, feel God's heart, know God's will, understand God's intentions, we must let the Word of God imprint lead us to the Word of God in person, living in us, as us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In us, as us, if we want that. But before, before there ever was a Bible, 
How many know there was not always a Bible? How many know that William Tyndale in, I think it was 1536 or 1836, was burned at the stake for interpreting the Bible in English? How precious is your Bible that one of God's sons was burned at the stake for interpreting the Bible in your language. Before there, were ever, there ever was a, a Bible, God walked and talked with them in the garden. He also called to them from a burning bush. He guided them as, as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire. And He sometimes appeared to them incognito in the form of a man. God had always made personal appearances in Jesus. He directs His followers' attention away from the book in general toward the central character. We are in the book. Jesus also believed that the Scriptures yet to be written by His earliest followers to document His life and communicate His teachings would also be inspired by God's Spirit. You can read it in John 15. And in John 16, if his followers were going to transition well from the old covenant way of the letter of the law into the new covenant way of the Spirit, they are going to have to keep their thoughts and their eyes fixed on one thing. Jesus. 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 Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus Jesus is the fulfillment of all the feasts of Israel. Jesus is it. You read the book of Hebrews. The word, the book, the word Hebrews means crossing over from the old covenant to the new covenant. Read it. That's what the book of Hebrews. Remember I told you years ago, I don't know if you remember this, the key is always over the door. You want to know what the book of Revelation is about? The key is over the door. The, read verse 1. Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. What's the key? What the revelation? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you're looking for end times, <laughs> Jesus is not end times. He's the new day. Hebrews 9.26 It says that when Jesus died on the cross, it was the end of time. We're not living in the end times. We are living in the new day. The church can't even get it. The church can't even get it. You want to sell books, or if you want to read books and sell books, just write on some kind of apocalypse of the end times. And when Jesus is coming back, you'll be a millionaire overnight. You can then throw your book in the garbage and go walk away from there and make a lot of money on misguided Christians that don't read their Bibles. No man knows the hour or the time when Jesus is coming. Jesus told us one thing. He says, watch and be ready. I'm ready. As soon as I got born again, I got ready. Hey, listen, my suitcase is packed. I'm ready to go. I don't have to worry about if we're in the what dispensation we're in. I don't have to worry if I'm pre, post, past, poop, pop, peep. All I just got to know is I'm in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. 
You could take those books and you know what? To do this, we have to pay attention to Jesus. See, Luke records only a few lines from what must have been longer conversations, but I'm glad he records this much. Much. Jesus tells us, I'm almost done, just so you know. I'm sweating like crazy, and I'm almost done. Jesus tells us how to read the Bible by three letters. A, B, C. It's the ABCs, okay? A equals authority. Jesus is the authority. The value of the Bible is that it leads us to Jesus and teaches us how His death and resurrection are central to everything that matters. B, Bible. Jesus, Bible. Benevolence. That we should turn from what we learn from Scripture into a message of forgiveness. Not condemnation. Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And invite everyone to rethink everywhere. See? Companionship. That's where we come in. The Spirit. Don't go it alone. The Holy Spirit is here to help. And of course, this isn't everything Jesus said about how to read the Bible, but it's a nice starter package. Amen? Jesus, Bible, companionship. Let me close with this thought. The Bible <clears throat> is like a treasure map. Like worship team, you want to come up and get ready? The Bible is like a treasure map that points everyone to Jesus. How many like treasure maps? How many like Indiana Jones movies? And he's got the, we got to get the map. We got to get the chalice. You know? But too many treat, too many people treat the map as though it's the treasure itself. And when we do this, we miss the treasure completely. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says, we're the treasure in earthen vessels. At first, this may sound like double talk, but if following Jesus is our goal, it will radically change how we read, interpret, and apply the Bible. Christ followers value the Bible not because of its inherent value, but because of its derived value. Its value comes from the treasure it points us toward. Making Jesus famous. Making Jesus famous. You know, a lot of people say a lot of things and they say it's this time, it's that time. I want to know about Jesus. Just tell me about Him. I know when I open my Bible, especially the New Covenant, all I see is Jesus. And now when I look at the Old Covenant, you know who I'm looking for? Jesus. Because He said He made it all. And it only concludes that Jesus is from Genesis to Revelation. He's the end, the first word of the Bible. He's the amen, the last word of the Bible. And you and I are in between. Because we're His living epistles. Written not with ink, but as the Spirit of God is moving in us. Amen?
I'd like to conclude with this one scripture in Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. He cares about all of us. He created us. We are his. Amen? Let's conclude. Getting the wafer out, can I tell you? The key, open, open it like you're going for the juice. And that will crumble up on top and you'll be able to get to your wafer. <laughs> your wafer may be in two pieces like mine, but it'll be easy to get to. How many's ever struggled besides me? <laughs> Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. You are the miracle worker for sure. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room who needs a miracle to have it right now in Jesus' name. From the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. This is the meal that heals. Jesus brought us healing strength. And when he had given thanks, he said, and he broke it, he said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again let's proclaim together when we just took that juice I want you to know that we just lit up the city I wish you could see it because I can see it. There's light. Eternal light in this cup. You want to stay young all your life? Keep taking communion. It's the fountain of youth. Here it is.
Micra 2 Corinthians about their, their minds. It said, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, the old covenant. But their minds were blinded. When you're blind, you can't see. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But here's the good news. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Beloved, we can see. We have access to the Father like never before. You know, the old covenant doesn't end in an amen. It ends with a curse. But the new covenant ends with grace and amen. How much more of a better covenant do we have today? Why? Because our eyes are open, the veil is lifted. You know, when the bride comes down and she's got her veil on, you really can't see her beauty until that veil is lifted. What an awesome picture of what we have today. And, you know, little things excite me. But today I I just saw light, light, light. And I'm worshiping and I look through that window and that tree, its lights are reflecting in the window. It's <laughs> not even a mirror. But he said, you are my reflection of my light because I'm in you. Oh, what a glorious day to live in, beloved. What a glorious day to live in. We are that light in the darkness. Shine, shine bright. Amen. Because of Jesus.